not helping people find their way back to church. Okay, well, we think church is an important part of finding your way back to God. When people walk in these doors, that's not the end all and be all of that. It's not about helping people get their lives straightened out. We believe that genuine life change only comes through a relationship with Jesus. And so what we want to do is we want to help people experience the love relationship with God they were created for. Let me tell you what that means. We believe at Genesis Church that all people are created with a purpose. And that purpose is to have a relationship with the God that made them. And so that's what we want to do. We want to help people uh, to experience that love relationship they were created for. That's why Jesus came. Uh, He came to pave the way to restore that relationship for us. Now, I just want to tell you, we didn't make up this mission, helping people find their way back to God. It actually comes from Scripture. And so 2 Corinthians 5.17, I'll put that on the screen so you don't have to turn there in your Bible. 2 Corinthians 5.17, this is from the New International Reader's Version, in case you don't recognize this. But it says, when anyone lives in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God. He brought us back to himself through Christ's death on the cross. He bringing people back to God. God brought us back to himself through Christ's death on the cross. And he has given us, uh, the author is writing to the church, he has given us, the church, the task of bringing others to him through Christ. God was bringing the world back to himself through Christ. He did not hold people's sins against them. That's good news for some of us in this room today. Amen. Uh, God has trusted us with the message that people may be brought back to him. So we, the church, we Christians, we believers, we are Christ's official messengers. It's as if God were making his appeal through us. Here's what Christ wants us to beg you to do. Come back to God. And right there, that's where our mission comes from, helping people find their way back to God. That passage says we have been given this task of bringing others back to God. Over the last 12 years, hundreds of people have found their way back to God here at Genesis Church. Uh, Some people found God for the first time and were baptized. And man, what an exciting moment that is when we get people up here and they've never known God. They've never known this relationship. And we baptize them and we all cheer and yell and we celebrate. And that's great. But there are just as many stories, maybe even more stories, of people who knew God at one time but then walked away. They, they spent some time away from church. They had to go and, and discover some things about themselves. And then once, having once known God, they wandered away, but then they found their way back to God through this church or through the people in this church. I mean, I'm excited, always excited when somebody who's wandered away walks through the doors of one of our campuses. But just as exciting to me is when someone, one of you, part of our church, leads someone back to God. What an exciting moment that is. And those stories aren't always as dramatic, and they're not always as celebrated, but man, they're just as good. They're just as important. I want to share with you today the story of one woman who found her way back to God here at Genesis Church. Now, for background, I want to tell you this. Ben Krause is our Noblesville campus pastor. So I'm our campus pastor here at Carmel. Ben is our Noblesville campus pastor, but for a while, he was our worship pastor at Genesis, and uh, he, he and his family about five years ago decided to leave and go serve a church in Michigan. Now, we didn't know that he would be coming back at the time, and so the, their last Sunday, the Krause's last Sunday, was uh, a little bit of a downer, quite honestly. But uh, this woman, Kim Vance, who I'm going to show you her story, uh, came on the first Sunday, or the Sunday that the Krause's were leaving. So when she talks about that, you'll know why it was a little bit of a disappointing day for her. But take a look at this. I want to show you this story.
I grew up Catholic. My family's been Catholic for as long as we can go back. But I wasn't feeling any sort of connection with any person or God. It was just um, a habit. My first Sunday was the cross's last Sunday. So it was a very sad Sunday. But even though it was a sad Sunday, the people were very friendly, they were really welcoming, and it was just different to have somebody up there and talk about God and that I could relate to God one-on-one. -on -one. I didn't need an intermediary, and so that was different for me. Um, I think the first time we opened our Bibles, I was like, wait, there's Bibles here. I'm not used to having a Bible right here. Where's my hymnal? Where's my missalette? That's the reading that's already printed out for me. I don't know where to find this chapter of John at. I, I always had a need for Jesus. I just didn't know how to find Jesus. I didn't know how to make that connection until I came to Genesis. And even after I came to Genesis, it still took almost a year before I truly understood that how to have a relationship with him without needing somebody to be a go-between for us. That I could be a flawed person and that Jesus was still going to love me and that it was all covered under the blood and grace and that although it's not okay to keep sinning, he will always forgive me and always take me back and never turn his back on me. So it took me a while to even accept that. I still have trouble with it sometimes because it seems like, wow, mind blown, really? He'll do that every single time? I got baptized the day that we had baptisms at Forest Park. That day was just amazing. It was not only because I was getting baptized, but because it was just a beautiful day. I mean, everybody was out there. We had all these people that you consider family, the church family, the kids running around. For a, a brief second, you're worried, are they going to bring me back up? <laughs> are they going to let me drown? No, it was, you go into the water and it's just for a second, but something happens when you come up out of that water to where, I know it sounds cheesy, but you feel refreshed, you feel clean, you feel like you're a brand new person. I feel like since I gave my life to Jesus, I have more of a sense of I'm not in this alone. That no matter what happens, no matter how bad things look, I can just close my eyes and just zone everything else out and say, okay, Jesus, I need you. Help me through this. You know, hold my hand. It's like this feeling of not being on your own, of having a guide. Now my goal is to show people what life could be like with Jesus. This is how great your life could be. You know, why would you want to live any other way? As a person, I still stumble, I still backtrack, and I have to just make peace with it and say, you know, I've, I've fallen and I've messed up and forgive me and help me find my way back. It's like a kid learning to walk. You fall down, you get up, you try again. So that's Kim's story. What's your story? How did you find your way back to God? Or, or maybe your story has not been told yet. Maybe your story is still unwritten. You, you haven't found your way back yet. You're not quite there. You're not quite sure what you think about God or what you think about any of this stuff. But, but you're here. Something's got you here. Something keeps you coming back. Or something's got you here even today for the first time. Whatever your story is. I think what we'll see today as we walk through uh, this story we're going to read from Scripture here in just a minute is that we all have some shared feelings in common. And I bet for each of us, we know what it's like to have desires that go unfulfilled. You know, I bet for each of us, we know what it's like to end up somewhere we never intended to be. 
I also bet every one of us here at one point or another has thought to ourselves, is this all there is? Like really, I, I go to work in the morning, I come home, I eat dinner, I watch TV and I go to bed and I do it all over again. Tomorrow. Is, that, is that what life is all about? Is that what I'm here for? I think all of us have felt this, uh, there's got to be more to life than this. I mean, that feeling that there's got to be more awakens in us longings that lie deep within our souls. And I believe, and not just me, but Scripture teaches us that God put those longings there. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3.11 that God has put eternity in the hearts of all people, that we all have this longing for more, that, that, that God put that there. And these longings are so universal that they show up everywhere you look in culture. Every piece of art we create, every television show, every movie, almost every song we sing. And think about the songs we sing. You can't always get what? What you want, right? But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Looking for love in all the wrong places. I can't get no. Right. It's a story of a man named Oh, wait, I was just going to see if you guys knew that one. That's not one of them. But you can't always get what you want. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Looking for love in all the wrong places. I can't get no satisfaction. The grammar may be bad, okay? But the longing is real. The feeling is real. They're familiar. All of these songs point to these feelings that we all share. Now, one of those for all of us, there are three of them that I want to point to today. I think three of them we can get from this story. One of them is we, we share the longing to be loved, all of us share a longing to be loved. How, how many of you have heard the name Glenn Wolf? Anybody know that name? Mr. Wolf uh, holds the record for the most marriages in America at 29. He's been married 29 times. His longest marriage, believe it or not, lasted seven years. Uh, that's, that's pretty good for somebody who's been married 29 times. His shortest was 19 days. Now, uh, one fun fact, Glenn Wolf is a Baptist minister. So I'm not sure how he squares his faith with the number of marriages. But don't you want to know what he was thinking? Like, why not stop at five or 19 for that matter? I mean, why keep trying? Why do we keep trying, whether it's with uh, marriages or love relationships or even with friendships? You know, we've been hurt before. We know there's a pretty good chance we're going to get hurt again. So why do we keep reaching out for those relationships over and over again? Well, because in each one of us, there's this longing to be loved. But what we don't just long for love, don't we also long for meaning too? We all have a longing for meaning. Meaning, as a, as a kid, probably in middle school, one of my favorite books was uh, called The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I'm a nerd, I admit it. You know, I'm, I'd be right at home at Gen Con this weekend. Uh, you know, anyone ever read that book, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? So it's about a few of you. It's about this story. It's a story about an Englishman. His name's Arthur Dent. He travels through the Milky Way galaxy meeting this uh, strange cast of characters, and he's looking for the answer to the ultimate question of life, the universe, and everything. And eventually on this journey, he and his friends eventually find this supercomputer that can calculate the answer to any questions in the universe. And so they put in this question, what's the ultimate question of life, the universe, and everything? And you know what the answer was? 42. (laughs) The answer was 42. How disappointing is that? To spend your entire life on a quest to find the answer to this question, to find the meaning of life, and to find that the answer was 42. What a disappointment. So we look for love, uh, we have a longing for love, we have a longing for meaning, we also, we all share a longing for purpose. I mean, think back to when you were a kid, maybe five or ten years old. What did you want to be when you grow up? 
I, I remember at the end of every school year, they would have us fill out this uh, questionnaire, I think for the yearbook or whatever, and it would always say, one of the questions is, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I would always put race car driver because I grew up in Indianapolis, and that's what you did. If you were in Indianapolis, every boy wanted to be a basketball player or a race car driver. I wanted to be a race car driver. But even my kids, they talk about this a lot. What do, we, what do I want to be when I grow up? Now, let me ask you something. If you're 8, 10, 12 years old, why are you even thinking about getting a job? I mean, don't you just already have everything provided for you? You don't even need to think about work. Why, why do kids think all the time about what they're going to be when they grow up? Well, I think it's because we all have inside of us this universal longing for purpose, that we want to know that our life isn't going to be wasted, that we're going to be, have a purpose when we grow up. We want to make sense of this world. We've got these longings. We look for the answers to the big why questions. You know, I think we've all experienced pain and suffering and hard times and things we didn't understand. You know, all these questions always leave us asking, you know, why the pain? Why am I here? You know, if we believe something about God, we think, well, God, if you're so big and so powerful and so loving, why do you allow these things to happen? But think about this. No matter what you think or believe about God, I think for all of us, suffering feels painful, right? I mean, that's why we call it suffering. It's painful. But for many of us, it feels wrong, doesn't it? Don't you notice that when you see pain and suffering in the world? You think, well, that's not right. It's unfair, Have you ever stopped and wondered why that is? Why we have this feeling that it's wrong, that it's unfair? What what is it in you that makes you feel like your life and the world aren't how they're supposed to be? Well, it's because God gave you those feelings. He gave you that sense of right and wrong. He put those longings and questions and desires inside of you. When, When you desire to see wrongs righted and suffering come to an end and justice served, it's because God put that inside of you. Because he feels the same way. These longings for love and purpose and meaning are all feelings that we all experience. We are hardwired with these longings. And so please understand the problem isn't that we have these longings and desires, that we want to see things change. The problem comes when we try to fulfill them on our own. When we seek to fulfill the longings and desires that God put within us, when we try to answer these questions apart from God, And because this may be the most important thing you hear today, and it's this, our deepest longings can only be satisfied through a relationship with God. But here's the good news for you today. Understanding and appreciating those feelings, let's call it awakening. We're going to call it uh, during the series awakenings, five awakenings we're going to experience. But awakening to these longings that are inside of us and, and the truth of where they can be satisfied, that marks the journey the beginning of the journey of our relationship back to God. I'm going to invite a friend up right now who's going to read uh, this scripture for us today from Luke 15. Uh, Can you help me welcome Mara up to the stage? Mara? Mara was uh, baptized here at Genesis Church in the last year or so, right? Um, And uh, she's got a story that uh, she's going to tell a little bit about how uh, this is not a linear process, finding your way back to God. We're going to talk about these five awakenings uh, over the next five weeks, but it's not a, you're going to do step one and step two and then step three. Um, She's got a story about how sometimes we take two steps forward and one step back. You want to tell us a little bit about your journey to finding your way back to God here at Genesis? Yeah, I'd love to. So um, in the beginning of the year, things were great, and um, I got baptized, which was amazing. Um, God and I were great. Uh, My relationship with him is great. Uh, and then towards the middle of the year, we get to the end of the school year, and I just 
I kind of fell short of him, and I started to doubt him um, and just was really struggling with things. And so I actually got invited on a mission trip to Jamaica, and I was really nervous about the trip because I was worried that if I wasn't okay with God, then I wouldn't be able to serve well on the trip. So going into the trip, I was scared. I was setting up myself for expectations, um, and I was just worried about what would happen. Um, And God just blew my mind away. Um, This trip, I can't, you know, bring words to describe the things that he taught me. Um, But he brought a lot of things with him. And, like, I thought I would learn things about serving, and I thought I'd learn things about um, obeying God and following God. But really, it was he taught me so many things about my relationship with him and things that I needed to work on um, with myself and with him. And so um, I came home from the trip, and the following Sunday I went to Genesis, and that had been about a month since I'd been. I hadn't been home during the summer. And so I went to Genesis, and we were talking about the Beatitudes and um, being a peacemaker. And for me, that spoke out so much because um, I had realized on the trip that that's something I needed to work on um, and being able to accept things that happened to me and um, just react to them well. And so uh, there were so many connections made during that service that I can't even explain it. You know, I just, it's one of those days where you go to church or Genesis and you, God just tells you exactly what you need to hear, and um, there's no way to explain it, or there's no way I can explain um, how I connected to that. So now um, I'm just kind of working with what I learned on my trip and uh, being back with Genesis and my family and um, just being able to come back here with a community that was praying for me um, and that missed me was absolutely amazing. Yeah. That's cool. I'm so glad you enjoyed that message, but you know that wasn't me, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Just making sure. It was Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That's so sweet. Uh, Mara's going to read our scripture today, the story we're going to focus on, Luke 15, uh, starting with verse 11. And you can follow along on the side screens if you'd like. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told him this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed up all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man was so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I am dying of hunger." I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and bring it to him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf that we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead, and now he has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is fine. So the party began. Thank you very much, Mara. Thanks for sharing that with us. So the story Mara just read, uh, told by Jesus, is considered by many to be one of the greatest short stories ever told. Uh, Jesus tells this story. It's a parable, so it's not a true story. 
It's a story that's made up. It's a, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That's what we call a parable sometimes. Uh, and so he tells this story. Chances are you've heard it before. It's about this one son who has this longing inside of him, this longing that says there's got to be more. Now, in the context of the first century Middle Eastern culture, a son's asking for his share of the estate would have been a major slap in the face to a father. Because clearly, uh, just like today, a son would have been expected to wait until his father passed away before he got the part of the estate that was coming to him. But even more than that, it was expected. They didn't have nursing homes in those days. They didn't have uh, insurance or Medicare or Medicaid. So there was no way for an older man to be taken care of other than for his son to take care of him. And so the son was effectively saying, Dad, I don't want you in my life anymore. In fact, I wish you were already dead so I could have what's coming to me. And talk about an insult, right? Talk about a slap in the face. That's what this son was saying to his dad. He's saying, I know there's something more out there, but I don't want to wait any longer. I want to go get it now. Now, before you go judging him, let me just ask you this. Is it possible that this son is saying out loud what many of us are already thinking? Like, is it possible that we're feeling that? Some of us even in this room are feeling that today, that that so many of us roll anyway. You know what? If this life isn't delivering, I'm just going to go find a new one. If this marriage isn't cutting it, I'm sure there's somebody out there for me. If this job's not all it's cracked up to be, I'm going to go find another one. If this friend is not working out, well, if they're not giving me what I need, well, I'm going to go get what I deserve. I'll do what I have to do to be happy. I think it's possible that this son is really just expressing out loud what many of us already think. Now, what I'm going to say next may surprise you, but bear with me. Thinking and feeling that way, that you want something more, that there's something greater for your life, that's exactly how you're supposed to feel. That that God put that in you. And not because everything that we desire is good for us, but this longing for love and purpose and meaning, all these longings were put in you by God. And so the son in Jesus' story, he's just like so many of us. He's like you. He's like me. The son was convinced that there had to be more. And so he ventures out to go find the answers and to fulfill these longings. And so Jesus said in Luke 15, 13, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Now, we don't know what happened in that distant country, but we're left to imagine what wild living might have looked like. If this story were written today, it's possible that the younger son went off to Vegas or to Amsterdam or Kokomo or some other crazy place spent all his money on, I'm going to use my sanctified imagination and say, uh, booze, food, and women. That's probably what wild living looked like in first century Palestine because it's probably what wild living looks like today. Now, it didn't take long before the son's appetites took a toll on him and took a toll on his wallet. He ran out of money. He, he spent half or his share, I guess, of his father's estate. And so according to the story, famine struck the land. He was left without any food, and he didn't have any money left to buy any, and so he gets this job, right? Maybe, maybe you've seen this happen in your life too. I think this is such a common thing that we experience time and time again, and we do it. It's on us, but, but what the son did is what you and I do so often. We trade what we need most. We give away what we need most for what we want right now. We do that all the time. We give away what we need most in exchange for what we want right now. That's what happened to the younger son. He got 
caught up in pursuing in what he wanted, and he forgot about what he needed. And so in Luke 15, 15, it says, So he went out and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Now, if you were a Jewish person in the first century, this would have been disgusting for you. It was maybe disgusting for you if you've been to the county fair lately or whatever, and you've seen the pigs and you've smelled the pigs, you know that they're not very clean animals. But for the Jewish culture, they were actually considered unclean. Any Jew that touched a pig would have had to be excluded from their community for the day. And so this, this son had already run away from his community, so he didn't have to worry about that. But he would have grown up believing that pigs were unclean. And here he was, his job was to feed them. And it says, verse 16, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And so his, his longing for love wasn't satisfied in other women. His longing for purpose wasn't found in partying. The younger son, this journey just has him asking all of these why questions. Why didn't this go like I thought it would? Why is this happening to me? Why, why am I so lonely and so empty? Why did I end up in a place like this? But as we go through the five weeks of this series, I want to ask another why question. It's a question we're going to answer over this series, and it's why did Jesus tell this story? Well, there are two reasons I can think of. One reason is the story of the lost son. Well, in a way, it's all of our stories. Some more or less dramatic, some more or less painful. But one way or another, this is my story, and it's probably your story. And one of the reasons I love the mission statement at Genesis Church, helping people find their way back to God, is because at one point or another, all of us are wandering away from God. But there's another reason for telling this story. While each of us has wandered away from God, more than anything, Jesus wants us to see that we can find our way back. We can find our way back to God, no matter where you are today you can find your way back to him. But you need help. It's not intuitive to believe that there's this father, this loving father that's waiting for you on the other end, like we saw in this story. But for the next five weeks of this series, that's what we're going to see. You can trust Christ with your life, and you can experience his forgiveness, or maybe you've already done that. But like the son in the story, you've walked away again. Like, oh man, I had, that, I had this relationship with God, but lately, you know what, I've been doing this other thing and it's been good for me, but man, I'm feeling a little lost. I'm feeling a little like maybe I should come back, but I just don't know. I don't know how he'll respond. I don't know how he'll take me back. I don't really want to be a servant. You know, you've wandered away from him. Maybe you're a Christian, but you'd say, hey, I've forgotten about God for a while. You've turned your back on him. You, you've put your relationship with him on the back burner. Maybe you thought to yourself, I want to pursue these other things first because I know once I become a Christian, he's going to ask a lot from me. And so let me do this other stuff first and then eventually I'll get around to a relationship with God. Here's the good news. You can come back. Over the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at five of these awakenings. We're going to call them awakenings. These five awakenings that occur during almost everybody's spiritual journey. And, and there's something we all need to come alive again and again and again. Just like Mara's story, just like Kim's story, that we've got these awakenings that are going to be, uh, these things that are going to be awakened inside of us. And then for a while, we're going to push them away and we're going to have to come back to them. And so over and over again, God is pulling us to himself. He is helping us find our way back to him through these awakenings. Uh, and today we've been talking through the first of these and we're going to call it an awakening to longing. That's what today's been about, awakening to longing, that we've got these longings. It's about recognizing our longing for love and meaning and purpose. It's, and that longing is not satisfied running from God. 
but only running toward him. And so here's what I believe I'll find. If, if we allow God to be fully present in our hearts and, and fully present in our lives, he's not going to take these longings and get rid of them. He's not going to dull them. He won't extinguish them. Instead, what God's going to do is he's going to awaken them to the fullest. That we'll see that when we find out that there's even more to life and it's fulfilled with God, that he'll show us that, no, there's even more than the more we thought there was. And then he'll fulfill those. And so what we're going to do is we're going to invite God to awaken even greater desires within us. Now, I believe this series may be the most important thing that ever happens for some of you. In fact, this series is a big reason that our church exists because our mission is helping people find their way back to God. And uh, my hope and prayer is that many people will come to do that very thing through this series. And on week five, uh, August 30th, we're going to celebrate with a big baptism service and we are praying for great things to happen during that baptism service. It's my hope and prayer. Many people will come forward and publicly proclaim that they have decided to make Jesus the Lord of their lives for the rest of their lives. You know, I read a story this week about 17th century mathematician Blaise Pascal. Pascal had one of the greatest intellects in the history of Western civilization. He grew up knowing about God, but not really knowing God, not having a relationship with him. But then one night in the middle of the night, he had this profound experience that changed his life and made him decide that he was going to put God at the center of his life. And he made it his mission, his passion, to help people find their way back to God, to help others, especially in the scientific community, uh, do that very thing. And so he obviously hung around a lot of mathematicians, a lot of scientists, and he decided it was going to be his life's goal to help those people find their way back to God. So Pascal began to challenge his fellow intellectuals to wager on God. He, he would dare them to step into a belief about God and see if their lives didn't change. So Pascal explained his wager this way. He said, make a bet that there is a God who loves you. If you are right, you have everything to gain. And if you're wrong, you have nothing to lose. Make a bet that God is real. And so that's my challenge today for those of you who haven't found God yet or, or you've wandered away from God. My challenge to you is to make a bet that God is real. It's a gamble, but it's not really a gamble. It's a gamble where you have everything to gain and nothing to lose. And if you, if you find God, you'll find that source of unconditional love, just like the younger son found. Finding God will offer a purpose for your life. And God is the one who can take your past and, and give it meaning and make sense out of it. That's a big-time payoff. Now, if you're a believer, say you've been here for a, a long time or you've been following Jesus for a long time and you hear this message and you say, that's great, there's not really anything in there for me, but, but that's great. Here, here's what you can do. First of all, remember that the son had to go to a distant country to realize his need for the father. And so many of us have somebody in our lives, maybe it's a brother or sister, maybe it's a, a child, maybe it's a friend who's wandered away from God. And we think, you know what, they're so far gone, there's no way they'll ever find their way back. But the son had to wander away to a distant country to realize he needed his father. It's like yesterday, beautiful day yesterday, so glorious, one of the Greatest days, weather-wise, I remember in a long time, and sun shone all day long, and then this morning, I was just watching the sun, and I was praising God for the sunshine on the way to work. Do you guys ever do that? You just praise God for the sunshine? Because I tell you what's going to happen. February is going to come, and you're going to forget what the sun looks like. And you know when you're most thankful for these warm, sunny days is when you're furthest from them in February. And so if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, and you've got somebody, whether it's family or friends, who have wandered away and you have given up hope, just remember the son had to go to a distant country. He had to get far away from his father 
to realize his need. So don't give up hope. Keep hoping. Keep praying for that person. You know, you think about your friends and your family. You wish, I wish my kids could hear this. Well, invite them. Share the podcast with them, but keep hoping, keep praying for them. There's no place too distant, no sin is too bad, no mistake is too big. Nothing, Scripture says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And so before we close today, there's a couple things I want to challenge you to do. Number one is this. I challenge you to come every week of this series. It's five weeks. I know it's the entire month of August, but it's only five Sundays, five hours uh, to invest in your spiritual journey with God. Come every week. Uh, for five weeks and see if it doesn't change, something doesn't change in you. Number two is this. I want to invite you to pray this prayer every week. And we've put this prayer um, in your message notes. If you picked up the card when you walked in, it's on the app. And so if you have the Genesis Church app and you open up to the weekend section, there's a prayer for this week. But the prayer is this. God, if you are real, make yourself real to me. Awaken in me the ability to see that you are what's missing from my life. That's our prayer for this week. Uh, Number three, we've got a take-home study. Uh, There's a few printed copies at the Info Hub when you leave if you want to pick one up. If you have the app, you can find the take-home study uh, on the app. It's on the weekend section. Uh, Just go through that this week. Do your scripture reading, um, do your prayer, and go through uh, that that study and see if it doesn't start to awaken some things in you. Uh, You can also pick up a copy of this book if you want to read it. We're not going to refer to this book a lot during the series, but it's a great book, lots of great stories, and I highly recommend that that's one thing you can do. But most importantly, pray that prayer. God, if you are real, make yourself real to me. Awaken in me the ability to see that you are what's missing from my life. Let me ask you one more time. Where are you going to go to fulfill these longings that are within every one of us? Imagine what it would be like to not have to run after love anymore. Imagine what it would feel like to not have to search for meaning or purpose. My prayer is that every one of us would let all of these longings find our way back to God. Would you pray with me? Actually, would you stand with me? And let's pray together. Lord God, we are asking, and especially for the people in this room that don't know you, that you would, if you're real, that you would make yourself real to us. That you would awaken in us the ability to see that you are what's missing from our lives. God, we pray that in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you so much that you want to be present, that you sent your son Jesus so that we could have that relationship with you. God, I pray that even though your spirit is all around us, God, you are all around us, that you would awaken in us the ability to see that you are here. Take something that's always existed and make it real to us, God. That's our prayer today in the name of Jesus.